You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. German security authorities warn about the possibility of sleeper sabotage malware. A botnet to rival Satori, this one called Hakai, continues to spread to new classes of router. SamSam ransomware remains dishearteningly successful. The U.S. Director of National Intelligence warns against foreign influence in elections. Facebook's former security chief says the midterms could be the World Cup of information warfare. And Silicon Valley comes to Capitol Hill, but without Google. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, September 5th, 2018. The head of Germany's domestic security agency, the BFA, noting extensive Russian and Chinese cyber espionage, yesterday warned against the real possibility of sleeper malware, destructive code installed into crucial systems well in advance of its intended use. Hans-Georg Maassen clearly had industrial control systems in mind. Germany has had some experience with cyber interference in manufacturing processes, and Maassen thinks this threat hasn't abated. The Hakai botnet has moved beyond its initial Huawei targets and now infests D-Link and Realtek routers. The botnet is growing, but the botmaster's doing less crowing. The recent arrest of rival Satori's alleged botmaster having evidently put the fear of the law into him. He had formerly been marked by his willingness to boast, not just to victims and fellow hoods, but to journalists as well. SamSam ransomware spreads largely unabated as victims continue to swallow its fish bait. Preventive measures are fairly well known and available. Regular secure backup, appropriate measures against phishing and sound basic cyber hygiene but the attacks continue to succeed. In October 2017, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security issued Binding Operational Directive 18-01, which intends to enhance email and web security for organizations within the federal government. There have been several deadlines and milestones along the way, and joining us to help explain where things stand is Robert Holmes, Vice President of Products at Proofpoint. So there are various uh, requirements of the of the BOD, and probably the least well understood, certainly at the point at which it was issued, uh, was DMARC or domain-based message authentication reporting and conformance, and that's really um, key to solving for email fraud. 
the BOD uh, was issued in October of last year, and uh, agencies were afforded a year to enforce the strongest policy of DMARC. With two months to go, we're about halfway there. Hmm. And what is the expectation? Are they going to make the deadline? Difficult to say. I think there will be a flurry of activity, uh, just as um, calling for the gate at your, to, to board your flight. There's a last minute panic when everyone rushes. Uh, what I would say is I suspect what we'll see is some of the smaller agencies will fail to meet the deadline. Um, so some of the largest agencies have been making great progress on this, um, but the smaller agencies are lagging, and I think those people won't probably make it. And what is going on behind the scenes here? What, why is it taking folks so long to get with the program? Uh, it starts with um, it's not that well understood. DMARC um, is the most uh, recent of technologies that the BOD uh, requires people to deploy. Um, and that's really only kind of six years old. Um, that may sound like a long time, but it's, this is pretty techie stuff. Um, so I think, that first of all, it's not well understood. And if you were to care to understand it, there are some 300 pages of technical specs. Um, and then you actually have to understand that in the world of email, we're not always working on complete information. Um, so we're having to make best guesses in some in some cases and fill in blind spots, um, which is both difficult uh, and risky because what's at stake here is uh, the deliverability of email. Um, really what DMARC is, it's a form of whitelisting. And whitelisting is great, it's very strong, uh, but unfortunately, if good email is not on that whitelist, it doesn't get in. Now, what are the teeth behind this? If if folks fail to make the deadline, what happens? Uh, some wrists may be slapped. Uh, that's a good question. And I think actually uh, there is a general sense that uh, so long as you can uh, demonstrate best endeavors, that maybe um, uh, the DHS would afford agencies who were otherwise unable to meet the deadline a little bit of leniency. There may be kind of a a call, a call in to see what's going on and why they missed it. But understand that um, just like uh, enterprises, uh, agencies have budgeting cycles um, and they have headcount constraints. And so this BOD 1801 rather came out of nowhere. Senator Wyden obviously had issued a letter indicating that um, he was hoping that it was going to happen. But it happened very, very fast. And some agencies just may not have been prepared for that and may not have been able to absorb the additional workload. So I think uh, there'll be some risk slaps. I can't imagine that there will be penalties or sanctions. Um, and then maybe the carrot uh, might be replaced with a bit of a stick. That's Robert Holmes from Proofpoint. U.S. Director of National Intelligence Coates said yesterday that the prospect of foreign interference with U.S. elections remains real and troubling. Facebook's recently departed security chief Alex Stamos was more direct. The U.S. elections risk becoming, quote, the World Cup of information warfare, end quote. Some of those concerns found their way into congressional hearings today. The U.S. Senate's Select Committee on Intelligence this morning questioned Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg and Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey about foreign influence, censorship, cooperation with repressive regimes, and other matters. Their concerns included Russian influence operations, with special attention devoted to the possibility of voter suppression, protection of personal privacy, the relative preference an American company might be expected to have for supporting American interests and the U.S. government over the governments of other countries where the company might operate, the suppression of hate speech and bullying, 
and the potential for legislation imposing liability on tech companies for the content that resides on their platforms. Facebook's Sandberg was clear on her company's intentions and described a defensively principled way of navigating content moderation without restricting expression, at least with respect to the challenge of weeding out disinformation. Facebook clearly intends to concentrate on culling inauthentic accounts from its service, that is, accounts that falsely represent themselves as belonging to anyone other than their actual owners and controllers. They've purged a number of inauthentic accounts recently and clearly find that easier than directly policing content. Their approach to fake news, fanciful stories retailed as fact, and political disinformation sounds as if it will harken back to traditional rumor control. When known false stories appear, put true stories beside them. Twitter's Dorsey gave similar answers, especially on inauthenticity, but his company's plans were less clear. He did note that bot detection remained a problem still only partially solved. More than one senator was at pains to point out that neither Twitter nor Facebook do business in China, both being blocked by that country's government. Facebook's Sanders took the opportunity to say that the company declined to do business under conditions that would violate its values. A company that does do business in China and was conspicuously absent at the hearings is, of course, Google, which declined to send a comparably senior executive to testify and so was symbolically shamed with an empty chair. Google apparently offered their chief legal officer, but he was insufficiently senior to interest the committee, so Mountain View went unrepresented. Most of the senators, with both parties being represented among the critics, noted Google's absence with displeasure. Senator Rubio, Republican of Florida, was particularly scathing, characterizing the company's decision not to send a senior leader as arrogance. He also suggested it may have been cowardice, given the recent demonstration by researchers from the Campaign for Accountability that it's still easy for trolls to buy ads from Google. The Campaign for Accountability, a liberal, which is to say center-left good government advocacy group, sought to buy ads from Google AdWords, and they did so in ways that obviously impersonated a Russian troll account, down to borrowing images and content from St. Petersburg's notorious Internet Research Agency and linking to sites that have been publicly and officially identified as Russian-controlled. And for the low, low price of $35 and a 48-hour waiting period, the researchers got their ad approved. They also got 20,000 impressions and some 200 click-throughs, and they say Google never flagged them as a problem, which they say they clearly were. Google didn't like it. They said they have, too, now that they know, taken the politically divisive ads down, and that they're working on making AdWords better. They also call the thing a stunt and point to the donations Oracle has given to the Campaign for Accountability, with a suggestion that this is at least in part motivated by Oracle marketing. In addition to keeping trolls from buying ads, Google has also committed to clearing malicious apps from its Play Store. It's met with indifferent success here as well, according to reports in Bleeping Computer. The fight Google picked was a good one. They determined to go after tech support scams. The problem is the scammers have gotten good enough at handling their ads that they pass for legitimate and get right through Mountain View's filters. The moral here seems to be that content moderation is difficult and doesn't really lend itself to technical solutions. And as far as human solutions are concerned, 
when it comes to social engineering. Of the crooked timber of humanity, no straight thing may be made. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io/cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io/cyberwire. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and zero trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go. Helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. And joining me once again is Craig Williams. He's director of Talos Outreach at Cisco. Craig, welcome back. Um, we wanted to touch today on uh, Remcos. Uh, bring us up to date. What do we need to know about this? Well, Remcos is another one of these, we call them gray area tools, where conceivably there is a legitimate purpose of it. It's basically a RATS so or remote access Trojan. Uh, it allows people to do things like install keyloggers, compile new binaries that would evade antivirus detection. Uh, they even tend to go one step further, and they even provide a dynamic DNS C2 system, which would make it much more difficult to detect, and even a, a mailing tool that can effectively be used as a mass mailer. So, you know, at a really high level, it's a botnet in a box. You know, if you needed to conceivably remotely manage a machine that had to have a payload that was avoided by antivirus to install a keylogger over something, say, like a phishing email, <laughs> and then use a dynamic DNS C2 to control it, conceivably it could have a legitimate purpose. <laughs> right. Go on. Uh, but, you know, I was discussing this with some colleagues, and Matthew Olney, who I believe you've met, pointed out the fact that typically that kind of usage would come with a warrant. Uh, so, you know, it's it's this area where people have designed what certainly appears like something that could be used for malware, uh, and they sell it kind of semi-openly uh, with their real name in some cases or a very, very poorly hidden identity, like in this case. And it's one of those situations where we tend to find these and we look at them, and we're not saying that everyone's using this for malicious purposes. I, I think it's safe to say that a large number of people are using these for malicious purposes. Uh, we know specifically in this one, we've actually seen a reasonable increase in usage lately. The author built a new 
you know, GUI interface that was much more friendly to people, say, without experience. And as a result, we saw the numbers climb as blocks. So that's why we started looking into this. And what sort of things are you discovering when you dig into it? Well, it gets a little bit more uh, gray. <laughs> so there's YouTube videos of supposedly the author of the piece of software, or at least someone using that name, um, you know, trying to push people to use this and use the other tools they sell, like Octopus Protector, to basically encode the malware so that it can't be detected by AV or walking people through how to set up other parts of what conceivably could be a botnet. Uh, and so when it comes down to it, you know, it seems like this kind of thing, while there might be a legitimate use for it, it's really being used maliciously in a lot of cases. And when that happens, we just have to block those for our customers to protect them. I see. Now, is this is this a, a case? I mean, I, I it, you sort of remind me of uh, you know back in the old days, years ago, uh, when people started selling radar detectors. Which the you know the the use for a radar detector is uh, is so that you can speed. Uh, there were some states that tried to outlaw radar detectors uh, and, and did. You can't use a radar detector in Virginia, I believe. Is this a similar type of thing where uh, even though there might be legitimate uses for this, uh, we could find uh, law enforcement saying, hey, you know, we're going to come after you if we find you using this? Well, as someone with a radar detector, I want to say no. But, <laughs> you know, I, I got a new car, got a radar detector, uh -huh. you know, long story. Yeah. But just for safety. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. But Informational it's, it's uses funny. only. <laughs> right. You know, it's funny you say that because I was surfing along the internet today and I don't know if you remember from a couple weeks ago, but there was a similar piece of software called Luminosity Link. Hmm. Uh, very similar, designed to be a remote administrative tool for people who maybe weren't as computer savvy uh, and it would allow them to basically manage a computer remotely and it was widely advertised on malware forums, much like Rimco's. Um, and the author had videos and things, much less Rimco's. Uh, and recently it turned out that they were charged by the FBI. And I think today they pleaded out to some massively long sentence. Uh, and so what caught my eye on this though, was really interesting is this morning I was, you know, surfing Reddit, reading the news in the morning as one does. And I happened to flip over to legal advice. Cause you know, it's one of those things I look at from time to time just mm -hmm. to see what's going on. And they have this weirdly worded FBI asked Google for my information thread. So you look at it and at first it doesn't really look like there's anything related and then if you look at one of Reddit's mirrors, you know, one of the ones that mirror the comments that have been deleted, it turns out this thread is filled with people who actually bought Luminosity Link uh, and paid for it with PayPal using their Google account. Hmm. And so, you know, we don't know that this is what happened, but reading through it, I think a reasonable assumption is that a lot of these people were buying this type of gray area software. And as a result, that the FBI apparently investigated their Google accounts, which I think is great. You know, I, I think this type of software that's clearly designed to cater more towards the attacker than, say, the pen tester or security researcher, is something that should be investigated. Yeah, is that is interesting. And, and does it seem in that in that particular case is the FBI going after you know the kingpin at the top? Well, I think they already got the kingpin. Yeah. So you got to remember this was one of those sealed indictments. So basically, all this happened a year ago, and so presumably, if they were going to go after people, they would have been arrested by now, much right. like the malware author. I'm assuming these people were just grouped in because who knows, maybe the FBI wanted to check to see if there was any overlap between the purchasing IP and attacker IPs or something like that. Right. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, as always, uh, it's an interesting story to follow. Craig Williams, thanks for joining us.
Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Vaughn, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.